Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Well, there are two commands in this passage. You know, one is do not be anxious. Jesus says it three times. And then he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And as Christians, we can come with our anxieties and we can read that. And immediately we, we read the commands and, and we're just like, we, we read them kind of in a way like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the old uh, Bob Newhart counseling clip. Some of you may, you kind of, some of you are laughing, you, you get what that is, right? He was, he's playing a counselor in this, you know, he's a comedian, so he's not a counselor, but he's playing a counselor. This lady comes into his office with this fear of being buried alive. Like, she has this fear, so she's coming to him, and, and so she's wanting to hear his counsel. You know, they work out the details of, of payment and all that good stuff, and then he gives her his counsel, and he says, I've got your, this is your counsel. Two words. Stop it. And we all got to laugh at that. I and mean, she's like, but, but I've got this thing. And he's like, no, stop it. And we as Christians can read this command, and, and that's, how, that's how we hear Jesus speaking. Well, just, you've got those anxieties? Just don't be anxious. Just stop it. But that is not what Jesus is communicating. That's not Christ's heart. He's not saying, suck it up, buttercup, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and just muscle through it. No, that's not what he is saying at all as he comes and he shares these commands. He wants us to see God. He's wanting to point his disciples, he's wanting to point us to our heavenly Father. So as we look at these two commands, as we look at the first command, do not be anxious, you you should kind of have in the back of your mind, do not be anxious, your daddy's got you. Your heavenly father has you. Let's look to him. But the passage begins by saying, therefore. So I think it's always helpful for us to address what the therefore is therefore whenever the therefore comes up in a text. And again, what that means is it's pointing us back to something that's going before. So even before we go through what the words that Jesus is saying, he's pointing us back to what we learned last week, right? When he was talking about, you know, who are you serving? Are you serving God or are you serving mammon? Are you serving money and possessions? Because really, there's a lot that we can be anxious about if we're just focusing on the horizontal of this world. Lots can afflict us and will continue to afflict us if our heart's not right. And I think it's helpful for us, and I hope that you were praying this week about that passage and seeking the Lord about that, because there can be many anxieties. If, if all we're doing is focusing on the things of this world, we will be afflicted by anxieties, I can assure you. But he says, no, direct, who, who are you serving? And he directs our heart towards his kingdom, and he continues to direct our heart towards his kingdom. And he does that. He says, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you drink, what your body, what you'll put on. It's not life more than food and your body more than clothing. And then he he encourages us to do some bird watching. He says, look at the birds of the air. Look at them. Consider them. In the original, he, he is kind of referencing this. Fix your eyes on. Take a good look at. 
So I know I said bird watching. So he's telling us to look at the birds, but not in the sense of like, hey, I want to, what colors are these? And are these in Michigan? Is this bird out? No, no, he's not asking us to do that. He's asking us to, to stop the craziness of our lives and, and consider something in God's creation because in his creation, he is showing us something significant about himself. It says, consider the, the birds. And in this time of year, I find myself on my small front porch sitting in a chair at different times, and there are birds that nest in the trees. When I'm not trying to keep them from pooping on my front porch, I, I watch them and, and hear them. And here's a couple of things that I notice about the birds when I, when I stop, because I have to stop to notice it. One, the birds are working hard. There's not like, God hasn't made like an old country bird buffet in the tree where they just kind of go to that. They don't ever have to do anything. They just go and eat. But yet, no, even though they work hard, they work really hard, they, they find what they need. God provides what they need. Now, I don't have a conversation with the birds, so I don't know for sure, but they, sh they just don't seem to be dealing with hypertension as they are living out their life. They don't seem to be afflicted by all of the conditions that come from anxiety. No, they're, they're going about. Why would I say that? They're singing all the time. All the time they're singing. They're singing, they're making noise, they're making noise before as the sun comes up. And God wants us to stop and consider. Jesus says, stop and consider. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. They neither gather into barns, yet your Father, your heavenly Father feeds them. But here's the thing. As you understand, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are you of not more value than they are? So yes, we still do work, but we must understand. You see how much God provides for the birds? How much will God provide for you? How much will God care for you? You're more valuable to God than this aspect of his creation. And this is what we know about our God. In Psalm 50, we know how much God has. For every beast of the forest is mine, he says. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. All of this is his. So we must never question, is God even capable of providing for my needs? Because he's capable of providing for my needs. But he doesn't just stop at the birds. He turns our eyes to the flowers. Look back at the text. Jump down to verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now Solomon, we know, was the richest man in the world. He had everything. Anything that his heart desired, he had. So he had the absolute best clothes that money could buy. And even him, he's not even 
taken care of and clothed like the lilies of the field. And, and you can see the flowers in this, this season of time. You can drive up different roads and there's different you know, individuals that are growing flowers to sell. You can see the fields of flowers or go up to Holland at this time of year and see the big field of flowers. And if you think of lilies in particular, if you were to look at one under a microscope, it's not just the colors that you see, but there's intricacies that God has done and clothed that is just absolutely amazing. But in verse 3, it says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? If God takes the effort that he takes to clothe those, those things, the flowers that are going to pass away, how much more is he going to care for you? And, and we know, like the flowers just come in the season. You can work really hard at this time of the year to plant some stuff, and they're like done in a month or two. So you have to have a different flower if you want your garden to have flowers. But we all know that by the fall around here, they're all just going to be dead anyway. But yet God cares for them. He clothes them. How much more does he clothe you? So we want to consider God's Provision. Let's consider God's provision. You can write that on the back of the card that you have. Consider God's provision. And even look at God's provision in your own life, not just as you look out. You can look back at God's faithfulness in your life. When we pause to look back, we can see, and maybe you need friends to help you see that. One commentator said, strong faith does not come by introspection, by working up feelings of trust in God. Rather, Jesus says, stronger faith comes by contemplating God's ways with his creation. Watch the birds. Observe and contemplate the lilies and the grass. You are valuable to the God who provides. You are valuable to the God who provides. But then we go back to verse 27. There's, there's a verse there that helps point us to God's providence. God's providence in our life. Consider God's providence. This is the verse in verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? That one stops me. Because we think we are in control. We think we're in control because we can go to the grocery store and if we want a Pop-Tart, there's 30 different ones we can choose from. We are in control. I can pick what I want. I can do what I want. But we worry when things are out of our control or when we realize that things are out of our control. But worry changes absolutely nothing. Worry can't even accomplish the smallest of tasks. I'm reminded of when I went to the doctor in my early 30s, which sounds probably old to some of you, but 
super young to others. I went and just, I, it's just a weird rash that, that came out. And then I go, and I wasn't really worried about that. But when I got to the doctor, you know, they do all that stuff to check you out before the doctor sees you. And then the doctor comes in and goes, oh, you know, I know you got this rash. It's really not a big deal. It's going to go away. Oh, but you have high blood pressure. In fact, it's high enough, I might recommend you go on medication. You don't have to go on it like this moment, but you really need to consider it, and I can prescribe this to you. Well, immediately, I'm like, what am I going to do about this? Change. Well, I'm going to change. I don't want to go on medication. I'm going to change my diet. I start to, that's just what I think about, because I don't, this, obviously, you know, I know the history in my family, I'm going to die if I don't do something about this, and I'm just immediately anxious about what's going on. Now there's a measure, it's helpful to change your diet. I mean, in that time, like vegetables to me were like, you know, the peppers and onions that went on my Philly cheesesteak, like, you know. And so I just worked really hard. I went on a serious diet and I lost weight. And I was just like, I was gonna do this because it's not gonna happen. To me, I'm not gonna, and I was just, you know, the, the things I did didn't alleviate the anxiety. And I had a just kind pastor friend that sat down and just was just honest with me. He was like, you know, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, I, I think based on what I learned in science in high school, when you're, when you're anxious, it causes stress and might be a cause of your blood pressure. And that wasn't the only thing. But even the, the efforts that we take sometimes, we think we got to take it into our own hands and we're going to fix it. If we fix it, it's not the fixing it that is what causes the ease. Now, God was kind and, and I didn't have that health issue after that time, but it's not about those things. Like we, we can get, we can be anxious just because things are out of our control and we think, well, we, if we take the bull by the horns, we can make something happen and we can alleviate this pressure. But Jesus wants us to come to terms with a reality that things aren't in our control ultimately. Yeah, there's, there's time for, for, for healthy concern for us to take action in our lives, for us to be wise with our money or our health or any number of those things. He's not saying don't do anything. He is saying there, there is someone who we look to and God God is providential in this world. God's providence. We can trust in God's providence. We can trust because he's overseeing everything. He cares for everything. Because anxiety comes when we are out of control. But Hebrews 1.3 tells us this about Jesus, that Jesus is upholding the universe by the word of his power. You, you don't have to uphold the universe. You don't have to uphold your little universe because he, he upholds it. He, he does have a plan for your life, but it's helpful to even hear descriptions in scripture. So if you leave your hand in Matthew or to flip to Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16, this this is what God, how, how God is involved in our lives. If you're wondering if God's involved in your life, it says, for you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. He's written every day. He was concerned in providentially handling every aspect of your life from before you, you were a twinkle in your mother's eye. That's how involved he is. That's how providential he is in your life. I mean, you can look at characters in Scripture. You can look at, at the story of Esther. You can look at the story of Ruth. I mean, she easily had trials. Her, her father-in-law died. Her brother-in-law died. Her husband died. They had nothing. Everything seemed like it was falling apart. And yet when you read to the end of the story, God was providentially at work, provided for her. And she's in the line that came to Christ. So let's consider God's providence and as the passage goes on in verse 31 and 32, let's consider God's perspective. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things and your father knows that you need them all. Your father knows. Let's think about God's perspective. Think about God's perspective. From our perspective, everything just seems like it's flying around. Like, isn't someone hitting the red button on the wall to set the alarm off? Doesn't, doesn't God know what's going on? Your Father knows what you need. It even harkens back to what we learned in verse 8 of chapter 6 when he was teaching us not to pray. When Jesus was teaching us not to pray before others, he said in verse 8, don't only like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. He knows what you need before you ask him. And as Jesus referenced the Gentiles, Back when Jesus was talking to the disciples, the Gentiles were the unbelievers because the, the disciples, they were of the Jewish people. The Jewish people were the, were the ones that were supposed to know God and knew God because they had God's word and the history of God's dealings with them. And the Gentiles were those, kind of represented those that were unbelievers. Even though we're Gentiles, we're not Jewish, we're Gentiles, but we're found in Christ, so we're believers in God through Christ Jesus. He's saying, don't be like them because they, all they've got is this world. All they've got is material things. And when you pursue material things, you overestimate the value of their significance. But when you know, when you know God because of Christ, we consider his perspective. I mean, Psalm 139 still helps us with that. The first few verses of Psalm 139 uh, help us. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. 
You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. That like covers all the bases. He knows every integrate you know, any specific detail in your life. Now, some of you might be going, well, if God knows the details of my life, why isn't he doing something about it? He's not doing something about it when I want him to do something about it, so he must not love me. No, God does love you, and, and there are real challenges that we face. There's real challenges represented in this room or those who are watching from those. those are, I don't want to minimize those things. There are real challenges that we face, but he wants to direct our gaze to him, to direct our gaze to his provision, to direct, to direct our gaze towards his gift of propitiation. So God's propitiation. And you're probably like, I don't use that word all the time. We know we've talked about it. What is propitiation? I know in this text, Jesus is primarily talking about the physical things that are going on that God would provide for the food and provide for the clothes, that God would put the clothes on. But I am reminded of the first time that God clothed his People. Do you remember when that is? It's way back in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, what happened? Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. Sin enters the world and corrupts everything which we're experiencing the effects of right now. But God doesn't go, get out of my face. I am done with you. Yes, they had to leave the garden and there were consequences for their sin and, and work got hard and childbirth got hard. But what does God do? In verse 21, we see, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. He gave clothing when he didn't have to. He showed his love and his generosity when he wasn't obligated to. And he did that for us through Christ because we learn in 1 John 4, 9 and 10, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. So what is that propitiation? What that means is God, God averted his wrath. He turned his face away from, from, from he, he did not carry out his wrath upon us because he carried it on, on Christ. So the sinful things that we have done are paid for. But it's not just that the slate is wiped clean. Because Jesus lived perfectly, we exchanged with him. And we, we now have the favor that we would have had had we lived a perfect life. We are clothed in 
Christ's righteousness. We are a part of his family. We're redeemed. We're, he calls us by name. We're his because of his activity in our lives. Not because of the things that we do, but because of what he's done. So even in the midst of our challenge, we need to look no further than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ to know that we're loved. To know that he is interested in what's going on with us. And if you're here this morning and you're most aware of your anxieties because you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not here to tell you a message. Well, come to Jesus and everything is going to get easy. No, Jesus says to follow him, to leave everything and follow him. In fact, when you follow Jesus, you can often find that life gets harder. But here's the reality. When you repent of your sins, if you prayed today, Lord, forgive me of my sins and trust in Jesus, you will be forgiven and he will be with you. When we trust in Christ, he is with us. He walks with us. He's promised that he will be with us to the end of the age. Because even again, Psalm 139, so great, illustratively, we can't even run from him. If we look at Psalm 139, verses uh, seven and following, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. What a description. He is with us because we are found in him. So his clothing goes beyond even your physical needs. So if we, if we understand these things, if we're looking at these things, it does alleviate the anxiety. Yeah, you, you don't, don't be anxious, little ones. Jesus says, Look at your heavenly father. Look at the magnitude of your heavenly father as compared to the anxieties that you have. So when they come, uh, here's what you do. You seek first his kingdom. You seek first his kingdom. We're free to seek first his kingdom. We're free to press into him because we don't have to earn something. How do we seek his kingdom? That kind of seems uh, mysterious to us. I mean, there are some practical ways that we seek his kingdom. The first place I say when you seek his kingdom, seek the king of the kingdom. As we sang the song Abide, let's, let's spend time with Jesus. Let's get to know him. Let's, let's understand as much as we can about him, about God's might and wonder don't just stop at looking at the birds of the field. Let's, let's pour through the scriptures. Let's, let's pray that his kingdom would come. As we learned in uh, you know, a few uh, messages ago, let's pray that we submit to his self. Lord, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Let's submit to his will. Let's, let's share about the kingdom. I mean, Jesus talks about that at the end of this gospel, the Great Commission, go but he wants everything. He wants to pervade all of our lives. 
Life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. When you go to your workplace, it's not just to provide for you. There's also opportunity for you to get to know the people who, who you're working with so you can relate with them, so you can, you can walk with them because you have the truth about Christ to share with them. Certainly, we pursue righteousness as Jesus talked about in the Beatitudes. We, we don't seek the praise of men and uh, not man's like we learned about at the beginning of chapter 6. And even last week, we dethrone wealth and possessions. And that's how we seek the kingdom of God. But let's not make it about a list. Because that is our temptation. Okay, I got to seek the kingdom. Jesus said we'd do it. What, what are the things that I have to do? Yeah, those are our practical means in which we, we seek to do that, but we, as we seek him, let's, let's seek him. That's the first place we start. We, we start with seeking him because it's not, okay, if I seek the kingdom, then my problems are gonna go away. Jesus says, don't be anxious three times because he's aware that the afflictions of this life are gonna be here until Jesus comes back. And there may be some of you here, some watching from home, that you, you're experiencing affliction. Maybe no one else in the room knows it. Maybe it's some physical malady. Maybe it's some challenge in your job or your life. Maybe it's illness of some kind that no one sees. Jesus isn't going to say, well, just, just suck it up. Do these things. You seek the kingdom and everything's going to be fine. No, it's hard. It's hard. Let's remember who's speaking these words. Who's speaking these words? It's the king. It's the king who's going to usher in a kingdom in which we're, we're never going to be tempted to be anxious because we're going to fully realize his goodness and his glory. Let's, let's focus on the king because we know he's, he's going to care for our needs. Your Father will care for your needs. I mean, the verse says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Remember, we've been in two chapters over the last number of months. Think of all the blessings in the Beatitudes. Think of all the benefits that Jesus has talked about through, throughout this. What is he doing? He's directing our gaze, directing our gaze. He wants us to direct our gaze towards his kingdom so that we can benefit from the blessings of his kingdom and enjoy the peace that's found that comes only from his kingdom. Reflect upon God's character and Christ's work more than your burden and seek him. The promise isn't that the pain goes away. But there is the promise that you are valuable to the God of the universe. And it's displayed most fully in his son. As Romans 5 tells us, for one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God cares. God 
cares. We need to look no further than the cross to know that God cares, but God cares. The promise is that he knows what we need before we ask him. The promise is that we're more valuable than all the things that we look at that we see. And we should slow down and stop to look at those things to remind us. Look at how amazing those are. How much more does your heavenly father care for you? And even in the midst of the pain, there is a reality that this world is passing away. But here's what's true when you're found in Christ. He will see you to the end. He said, I will not leave you or forsake you. I know we have real problems that need real answers. And sometimes they seem to overwhelm us. But, but your God will pour out his grace when you need it. The last verse is, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I, I like the, I know that's, that comes from the original, but the way that the Christian Standard Bible or the New American Standard Bible translates it this way. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that true? Each day has enough trouble of its own. But our worry, the challenge that's right in front of us that we face just seems to be crushing. But then sometimes we start to grab the things that are in the future, tomorrow, the next day, the next day. And we start to bring those challenges into today because we're worried, we're worried about that. Like, they need to be taken care of. Now, friends, just remember this. Rarely do we look into the future and see God. Our God is not constrained by time or space. He's called the great I am. No beginning, no end. He's just all, he's in every spot. So you know what? When you, tomorrow, you aren't there yet, but he's there. He is there, already there. And he pours out his grace because he knows what you need before you ask him. He knows what your need is gonna be tomorrow when you don't know what it is. Because we, we aren't there, so we don't actually know what that need is. But for some reason, we gotta figure out what that, that is. So we think of the 10 different ways that this thing might happen. We go, what do I need to do? And I just try to organize my today because I gotta know that's gonna come, but I got this stuff right here and I'm just trying to hold on to everything. So no, there's, there's grace that's gonna be available for you. Kent Hughes rightly observed, worry will not destroy tomorrow's trials, but it will sabotage our strength. Worrying does not enable you to escape evil. It makes you unfit to cope with it. The truth is, we always have the strength to bear the trouble when it comes, but we do not have the strength to bear worrying about it. If you add to today's troubles tomorrow's troubles, you give yourself an impossible burden. That's a term I became aware of through some of the writings of, of John Piper called Future Grace. 
it's not per se a biblical term, but yet it's a biblical concept. There's grace available for you in the future. But you don't need that grace today because that's for tomorrow. But there's enough today, just like God provided for his people manna every single day. What happened when they tried to keep the manna, you know, add extra, other than on the Sabbath when he said to get extra on the sixth day so they wouldn't have to go out and gather on the Sabbath? What did they, what had happened? Like it get all nasty, you know, there's probably maggots in it or whatever other nasty things come in and rotten stuff. But there was always enough for today. There is grace for today, but then there's going to be grace in the future for tomorrow. So you don't have to be concerned with that day. That doesn't mean we don't ever plan. That doesn't mean there's not ever wisdom. But the Lord does not want us to spend our time endlessly agonizing over that which is out of our control. He wants us to spend our time focusing on our Heavenly Father who is good and who loves us. So remember what Jesus tells us at the beginning. He says, don't be anxious, but consider, consider the birds, consider the flowers, how I take care of them. Are you of not more value than they are? So don't live in the future. Live now. Seek first his kingdom now. And all these things will be added to you. Let's pray. Father, I know that there are overwhelming burdens that, that are being carried. I know that there are anxieties that seem to come like waves in a storm. And I ask God right now that you would just settle our hearts to see you, to reflect upon your glory and your goodness. I pray for the one who's here that is doing that for the first time and coming to know Christ. I pray for each of us as we are walking through this life and tempted to be anxious as we've even written on this card, we've named it. You just help us. Well, friends, before we sing, you, just, you can keep your eyes closed for a moment. Let's, let's spend a few moments praying. Just where you're at, I'm not going to ask you to, to uh, take the card and give it to anyone else. You don't have to show anyone else the card. You can stuff it in your pocket. You can rip it up, throw it in the trash on your way out. But let's, let's seek him. I've got some prayer points, I think, to put up on the screen if that would help you to, to seek him. But he doesn't want you to focus on that anxiety. He wants you to come before him. So let's just take a few minutes and come before him. Maybe that's to just thank him for being who he is or ask him to forgive you because you're gazing at this anxiety more than you're gazing at him. Or maybe you're just asking him to help you see his kingdom 
or trust him with something. So let's just take a few minutes to pray and then I'll close us in prayer.